Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, in today's episode, I want to pick up right where we left off and continue asking the question, can Christians be skeptics? And I want to touch more on the subject of skepticism itself and kind of set some ground rules for where this show is headed. I I think if we're going to talk about being a skeptic, we should be on the same page and we should all follow the same kind of general rules of skepticism and of logic. And so in hearing that, you might say, aha, but I am a skeptic. Why do I have to follow your rules of skepticism? Why do I have to follow your rules for my question? Well, I would say, before we we, we get in an argument about this, uh, let's kind of think generically at what skepticism is and what logic is. So, So before you turn this podcast off, at least just hear what I have to say on kind of the ground rules I want to set for our skeptic objections. And the reason is, is because skepticism, doubt, and with it, logic, are universal traits that we have as thinkers. If you think about it, logic is what we use to think. Logic has to be the basis for all of our reasoning. And skepticism and the doubts therein and the process that we use to come to these doubts and then to further evaluate these doubts should also be universal as well, in my opinion. And so as we delve into uh, the vastness of, of so many questions about God and about Christianity and about church, I think it's helpful that we just get on the same page. Uh, so with that, let's kind of pick right back up where we were and continue on the subject of being a Christian skeptic. To be a Christian skeptic is a good thing, right? And, and, and going back to what I mentioned, the Apostle Paul said something about that. He said to test the scriptures for what he's saying, to not just take at face value what he is saying to the church that he was writing the letter to at this time, but to test it. And I've heard good pastors say that as well. And so so let me just start there by saying, if you have been exposed to a pastor that doesn't say that, that says, well, I preached it, just believe it because it's true. You haven't been exposed to a good pastor. I'm not going to necessarily call this person a bad pastor, But I'm not going to call them a good pastor either, because anyone who would claim to present the word of God must also be open to criticisms and skeptical questions. Uh, As we've already said, God invites room for those with doubts. And so that's what I want you to do. I want you to come. I want you to reason. Uh, It doesn't have to be with me. And so I want to spend the remainder of this show talking about how to be a skeptic, whether you're a Christian or not. And the first step to being a skeptic is, or the first rule, I suppose, to being a skeptic is never trade what you know for what you don't know. And so I'm going to start in the realm of Christianity. So if you're not a Christian, just hang tight with me for a couple of seconds. I'm going to start here and then I'll expand it more broadly. But in the realm of Christianity... What this looks like is, say you have the belief that there is a God and that this God loves you, but you have a question about something the Bible says. 
or about something the church says the Bible says, or about something a parent says that God says, or something a pastor says that God says, and you're wrestling with it. Hey, I'm with you. I've wrestled with things myself. Uh, I, I think a big one that, that many of us wrestle with is what is the Christian response to homosexuality? If I have homosexual desires, right? what, uh, or, or what, what, what is the Christian response to racism in the world? That's, that's a huge issue around the world right now. Listen to me very carefully. That's a question. That's a good question. You should ask that question, but don't trade what you know for what you don't know. Just because you can't answer that question right now doesn't mean you have to give up believing that there is a God still or that there is a God that loves you even more specifically. If you know that to be true or if you look back on your life, and, and maybe you're doubting that right now, but for the majority of your life you've known that to be true, don't give it up just yet. If in questioning and in doubting you, you've come to the conclusion that it's untrue, uh, then you have my permission to give it up and believe whatever you want. But I would say don't trade what you know for what you don't know just yet, especially because the thing you don't know is something you do not know. Previously, I mentioned that I can't prove to you that God exists and that I can't prove to you that God doesn't exist, but that's not always the point of evidence. I think evidence, especially if we look at maybe a court of law where evidence really comes into play, the only way that you can actually prove someone committed a crime is if you have a recording of it uh, or if you have pictures of it. But often the case in court cases uh, is that we don't have pictures. We don't have a recording. And so what you're going off of is eyewitness accounts, right? You're, you're going off of if there were witnesses there, but say there were no witnesses there too. The only thing then that you have to go off of is the evidence. And from the evidence, the judge has to make a conclusion as to whether a thing is true or not. And I submit to you the same is true with God, that there is evidence stacked up to that there is a God and there's evidence stacked up to maybe there isn't a God. Uh, what I submit to you is to look at the evidence as honestly and objectively as you can, and from the evidence, make a conclusion. Uh, and this might be where the faith part comes in. This, this might be where the leap is you, you are currently standing on reason and logic and, and evidence, and that's a very good place to be standing on. But in order to make a conclusion one way or another, you almost have to take a leap from what you know over what you don't know to say, this is what I believe. And you have to do that on both sides of the spectrum, on all three sides, actually. Even if you say you don't know that there is a God, that's still your conclusion. Even if you say, I'm agnostic, I, I, I can't say there is or isn't a God. And maybe you even take a, another leap from that and you say, no one can. No one can say there is or isn't a God. What you're doing is you're taking the evidence uh, that this stuff is too unknown and you're making a leap to a conclusion yourself. So we all must do this. We all must take evidence based on logic and reason, and leap from what we know over what we don't know to make a conclusion, to, to have a premise on how we view God and reality and, and the nature of this universe and, and why this universe is here, why this universe ought to be here, uh, to reference back to the is and the ought thing we just spoke of. And so don't trade what you know for what you don't know. Because whatever you know right now, whatever logic and reasoning you're standing on is logic and reasoning that you have come to. And it's valuable because it's logic and reasoning you've come to over the course of all your experiences and all of the things you've learned. With that, don't stop growing 
your knowledge. Don't stop growing your logic and reasoning. Uh, and, and I think for those that are listening that are Christians, it's important for you to listen to non-Christians. Uh, a person that I look up to very much in this world, his name is Dr. John Lennox. He's a mathematician uh, in Ireland, and he's also a Christian. And I once got the opportunity to sit down and have lunch with him. And I asked him the question, what was it for him that made him want to be a Christian? So he also goes around and speaks and, and he debates uh, for the existence of God, for, for Christianity. And he answered and said, he was raised in a Christian home, a Protestant Christian home in Ireland, which uh, is primarily Catholic, was primarily Catholic. And his father was a Protestant Christian man. And on his 13th birthday, his father gave him a copy of the Communist Manifesto. And his father said to him, I want you to have this because it's important that you know how other people think. Well, I submit the same thing to you. It's important you know how other people think, whether you're a Christian or not. If you are a Christian, please read some atheists. I, I, I mentioned Stephen Jay Gould, Christopher Hitchens. I mentioned David Hume. Please read and look into what people who believe contrary to you are saying about the subjects you have questions on. And if you're not a Christian, please read some Christians. Please read Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Please read C.S. Lewis. Please listen to a sermon that Martin Luther King Jr. gave. And, and these people that believe contrary to you, please listen to what they have to say. Right? And, and, and that brings me into the second law, the second rule of the skeptic. And that's that the skeptic tries his or her absolute hardest to be as objective as possible, right? The skeptic tries to evaluate the evidence from both sides, the evidence both for a God, for Christianity, for the Bible, and the evidence against a God or against the God of Christianity or against the Bible, right? If, if you are listening to this and you are trying to decide uh, between religions, you know, may, maybe you're kind of experimenting with Christianity and Buddhism or, or Hinduism or, or Islam or Mormonism, uh, please read from all of those religions. Please do not read one source uh, over the other or more than the other. Please evaluate them as objectively as possible. Compare those sources with the evidence you see in reality. And again, it's my hope that as, as you and I continue on this journey through this, this Christian skeptic show, that we can have this conversation, that I, I can maybe help you along the way uh, as to the evidence given for God, the Christian God, as he's presented in the Bible and the Bible. Uh, that, that is my hope. Uh, again, like I said, I'm coming with that, that subjective lens, though I hope to do the true job of the skeptic, like I just said, and evaluate through an objective lens and, and look at both sides of the argument and consider the, the flaws uh, of, of both arguments and the, the good things of both arguments, because there are good things to be found all over the spectrum of logic and reason. And so the next thing I would say, the next rule of the skeptic, that is, is never stop asking questions. Keep doubting. Keep questioning. Keep, keep bringing up uh, your questions and your objections and keep searching. Keep researching. Keep learning. If you're not learning in life, you're not moving through life. And we don't want to be that. We want to be thinkers. We, we, we want to be the greatest thinkers of our day and age. We don't want to be uh, mindless drones. Uh, 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 again, I'm not going to ever knock anyone 
who has that gift of faith, who who hears the preacher, hears hears the message, and accepts it as faith. Um, you know, I, I I've known many people like this, and they are great people, and they're loving people, and they're wonderful people. But I don't think that's you and I because we're having this conversation. You're 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 tuning in to this podcast. You're asking questions. Keep asking them. With that, there's a caveat though. Find trustworthy sources to answer them. Find trustworthy people. You know, it, it may be that that person who has that gift of faith, who who can just accept and believe without any hint of doubt, they may not be the best source to answer your question, and that's okay. Don't place that burden on them. Instead. Come find those those thinkers. Uh, I, I've mentioned several on, on both sides of the equation, uh, be they Stephen Jay Gould or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Christopher Hitchens or C.S. Lewis uh, or, or, or David Hume um, or, or A.W. A. Tozer is another one. There are so many theologians, historians, philosophers out there, and, and we live in a time, a day and age, where we have unbelievable and unprecedented access to information. So use it. It is our responsibility to pick up the, the, the mantle, to accept the baton that has been handed to us uh, through the centuries of logic and reason, all the way back from Aristotle, all the way back from Aristotle's first principles um, of logic, right? which will, will bring me to the final rule of the skeptic. But, but nevertheless, it is our responsibility to grab that baton, to continue running this race of logic and reason and truth for the pursuit of truth. As Friedrich Nietzsche would say, it is very, very rare to find someone who has a complete will to truth, right? He talks about the three wills. There's the will to power, the will to pleasure, and the will to truth. I encourage you, dear listener, fellow traveler, to never be one of those people that uses knowledge or wisdom about God, about eternity, about the way life is, simply as a means to gain intellectual power over others. And I encourage you never to use this knowledge simply as a means to gain pleasure uh, or justify a, a pleasurable habit that, that you are doing. Because I think there's pleasure on both sides of the equation. There's pleasure in things that, that we would call the, the duties of religion, the commandments of religion, and there's pleasure in the things that are the opposite, which from a biblical perspective, we would call sin, right? There's pleasure in both. And I would encourage you never to use knowledge of God, never to use knowledge of the world uh, as a means to power or pleasure, but simply to pursue it for the fact that there is truth out there. And that's a question we'll answer is, you know, can, how can we know if there's absolute truth or not? We'll, we, we will get there in a later episode. Uh, but pursue truth for truth's sake. If you're going to say you believe something, believe it because it's true, not because it makes you happier or it makes you a better person. Believe it because you have evaluated the evidence and the most logical and reasonable conclusion you can make is that it is true. And so the final rule then of the skeptic is always use logic. And so just to lay out uh, kind of a quick overview of logic, and we're going to touch more on logic absolutely as the show progresses. Uh, this show is as much built on following the rules of logic as it is uh, asking our questions in the doubt of the logic of the Bible, of God, of life, of, of everything. And so as a framework, I would like to hearken us all the way back to Aristotle, uh, who by many philosophers is called the, the father of the principles of logic, because he did. He laid out 
first principles, right? And first principles, according to Aristotle, are the assumptions we make going into a field of study, right? Every field of study is going to have these first principles. Science is the best example we can look to for first principles. There are first principles of physics. There are first principles of chemistry. And these are just the the self-evident truths that we have that hold the study together, right? So in the scientific method, one of the first principles is the cause and effect principle, right? That if if I do something, that there is an effect following that, right? Uh, in, in, in physics, we have first principles of, of the law of thermodynamics. We have uh, first principles in the law of mass. We have first principles in, in gravity. Well, in logic, we have first principles as well. And so Aristotle lays out three of them. They are the law of non-contradiction, the law of excluded middle, and the law of identity, right? So the law of non-contradiction says that two opposing truths cannot both be true at the same time in the same way. So if I say there is a God and you say there isn't a God, well, those are truth claims, right? Those are statements that claim to be objectively true. Well, according to logic, the law of non-contradiction says we both cannot be right, that one statement is right and one statement is wrong. Again, I'm using this as a simple metaphor for now. Uh, we will get deeper into these things as it progresses. So, so please don't tear apart and say, well, no, there's actually a third option where they can both be false. I'm aware of that. We will get into it. Uh, you just hold tight and, and keep tuning in. And then there's the law of the excluded middle, which is to say that uh, in those in that two opposing truth claims, um, they cannot both be halfway right. Uh, and then there's the law of identity which is to say that we assign words, symbols, and expressions to concepts and ideas in order to define our reality. And I think the law of identity is probably the most important one that we really need as a foundation for where we're going in this show. Uh, I think the law of identity kind of helps establish a baseline for us that what we're talking about is defined. And so as we go through the show, I will be talking about that. And, and when I say God, I'm going to define what I mean when I say God. When I say Christianity, I'll define that. When I say Jesus, I'll define who that is. Um, because often, I think, our misguided definitions can skew us away from logic. And so that's why it's so important to stay on logic, to realize what the truth claim is that we're doubting or objecting to, and what the definition is of the terms within that truth claim. And so if I can leave you with that, that is my laws of the skeptic. To always be asking questions, to always be applying logic, um, and to never trade what you know for what you don't know. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show today.